Welcome. Pull up a chair, fill your mug, get comfy, and join us at the table for the most unusual tea party. Here's your host and graphologist, Teresa Abram. Welcome to Season 3 of A Most Unusual Tea Party, where we use the letter T to unlock a person's story, giving us an unusual look into the mystery guests who join me at the table. I'm Teresa Abram, a handwriting analyst and graphologist, and if you are curious about decoding the messages of the subconscious mind, then pour yourself a mug of something yummy and join me at the table. This season of the podcast, I don't know my guests before they join me at the table. All I know is their name, what their handwriting looks like, and that my mug is on hand. But before I spill the tea on what I'm drinking, you're going to find out who our mystery guest is at the same time I do, and you're going to find out what their love language is. So without further ado, let's find out who our mystery guest is today. And with me today, I have Denicia Hilton Harper. Welcome to the show, Denicia. Like really excited if you can't tell. <laughs> awesome. Well, I am super excited to have you here and to learn more about you. I've been looking at your handwriting, so I'm starting to feel like I'm, I know you, but now it's going to be fun to fill in the blanks. And you know, Denicia, the first thing that I'm curious about is where do you live? In the Tampa Bay area and Florida of the United States. Very nice. What kind of weather are you having right now? I'm actually not quite sure what's going on. It feels really weird. And somebody even posted this. They're like, does it seem like it's cooler than usual for our time right now? And so, cause yeah, I'm kind of, I'm bundled up in my blanket cause it is chilly in here, but the heater's not on either. And we have the windows open. It's just like, how chilly is it? But what's chilly? Well, you are much braver than I, because there is no way I am opening up my windows and the heater definitely comes on. Well, where are you at? I live in Devon, Alberta, which is a small town just outside of Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. Ah, okay. So while we are having a mild winter compared to what we usually have, there is still no way I am opening up my window because my toes would get way too cold. <laughs> I understand. <laughs> so Denicia, what is it that you do? Well, I actually work with women and creating these playful healing spaces for them um, to embrace and embody and express their perfect, authentic selves. So I do that um, title-wise as a holistic well-being consultant by way of a Dr. of Eastern Medicine. And we get to have a lot of fun where I can help her see that like serious healing doesn't have to be so serious. Wow, that is so good. Well, you totally had me hooked when you said a playful area or a playful healing space. Typically, those two words don't seem to go hand in hand. So that's really fascinating. What is it that prompted you to get into something like that? Let's say that I kind of fell into it and had been, I just kind of followed along what I had been seeing. And, you know, like, like I said, I practiced as a doctor of Eastern medicine. And so just working with women in that way and realizing a few things. And some of those were, man, she really is taking like what's happening so seriously. And, and I understand I worked in menstrual health and fertility health, and those are very serious topics. And when you are having issues with those, it can influence your life and, and your quality of life for sure. And so where I saw that it is serious, I'm like, how can we add? some fun to this so that, 
you really get to see, especially in Eastern medicine in that it's in the life. Like that's, that's one of the biggest things that one of our teachers would say, the medicine is in the life. And if you're taking life so seriously, then it shows up in all these different areas. And so then is that seriousness because of falling in line with what we are told as what's appropriate, quote unquote. And, and then as women, now that adds a whole nother level, right? Of, oh, now you must act like this and you must be like that and you must do this. And so then basically it, I learned that I was questioning a lot of those things for her. And then as a byproduct, the cycles were getting better. The improved fertility and babies popping out started happening. But really, those were byproducts. They were side effects of me helping her see just who are you? Like, who are you? And then what can we do? What can I show you to pay attention to in your everyday life? That's little cues and messages that you're not actually in alignment with who you are authentically. And so seeing and observing that that's what I was doing, like it was hard to see until I feel like for everybody, you don't really see it until there's the time. It's like almost like a switch, like, wow, I was in it, but now I'm bird's eye. And now I can see like what happened. Right. And so then I just decided, okay, I'm going to actually see if I focus on this element. And then the side effect is she overall feels like she's healing and her well-being is is higher, then let's see what happens. And so that's where I transitioned from practicing into really creating these these spaces for her. And it's fun. And there's just so much healing in so many different dimensions and levels and totally possible. And at the same time, I feel like tap into that, what's already there, that you can actually have fun with it along the way. Right. And sometimes I think when we change our focus, we can get so zoomed in on a particular issue and it becomes all consuming. And if you can just shift that focus a little bit, sometimes it just eases the pressure and somehow makes space for it to actually happen. Yes. And oftentimes when people hear that, I might say that you're perfect and that goes completely against what many 95, 98% of people in the world would say, right? Nobody's perfect. Well, it's the thing is, is that you are because I go by that root meaning of perfect being whole and complete as you are. And you see, like, that's exactly the shift that y'all made was, no, this is it. This is it as, as we are. And then you just kind of move forward in that. It can be confusing. I know, like, but then think about a coin, right? Think about a coin where is it heads or is it tails? Well, it's both and neither side devalues the other. I love that idea. That idea that neither side devalues the other, but right, they work together, even though they're both different. And no one will accept it without the other. So true. And it doesn't matter how beat up that coin is, how many scratches it has, how dirty it is, it still has its value. So tell me, how can somebody find out more about you and what you do in this playful healing space that you create for women? Anyone can come and find me at my website, which is denisiahilton.com. I did recently get married, so I already had the brand. So don't get confused, y'all. Um, that's why I said I'm just going to add on to my name right now. Uh, but it is Denicia, D-E-N-I-C-E-A, Hilton, H-I-L-T-O-N.com. 
it's really interesting because I keep looking at your handwriting to see, is there a correlation between what you're saying and what I see? And so there's going to be some interesting talking points that we move into here, Denise. Yeah. Let's take a look at your handwriting that you gave me. You gave me a very lovely, colorful sample. And there was two things that really struck me. Now, the first thing is what we call the gestalt. And, and the gestalt is really how you use the page. That's really the dark against the light, the ink on the paper. And we're always looking for balance. And the first thing that really struck me with yours, and it's really noticeable when we turn it upside down, is how you really cling to one side of the page. It's very, very heavy on the left-hand side, and we have a lot of space going down the right-hand margin. So it's a little bit off balance. So I think that's really interesting that it is off balance. And you talk about, you know, just accept as is and not being perfect. And it's like, here we have this beautiful example of this. I'm going to hang out on the left-hand side of the page and, you know, we're going to leave a nice big margin on the right. The interesting thing with that is our margins are actually really significant because there's no hard and fast rules. We're not taught anything about our margins. We're never told that it has to be exactly this or exactly that. It's something that we really pick ourselves, especially on a piece of paper like you used. So the fact that you are really, really hugging to the left-hand side and leaving a margin on the right-hand side turns out to be quite significant. And what that is, is that typically the left-hand margin represents the past, beginnings, and the start of new projects. And the right-hand side represents where we end up. It's the symbolic future, um, it's endings and achievement of goals. Interesting. You know, reviewing the page with that in mind, it really does show that having that almost non-existent left-hand margin tells me you're feeling maybe a little bit anxious. And that could be due to something that's happened in the past. And you have that moderately wide right-hand margin that's showing me that you are going to plan ahead and you do respect people's personal space. So you're very careful not to cross lines in society, which is a little bit different than privately. But once you're out and you're dealing with people, you're going to be very, very respectful of those lines. And when I put that in context against the rest of your writing, it really shows me that you might even put up a barrier that stops yourself from reaching your potential. That's interesting. Okay, recap again. You said the left sure. for the past, right? Yeah, so the left is the past and new beginnings. And the right hand is the future and kind of that achieving of goals. That's interesting. It is. And, and I think it's interesting because when you're talking, you do talk about trying to get new beginnings for people right? You're talking about trying to create a space for people to see themselves differently so that they can have a different experience in life. Mm -hmm. So your focus really is about creating something new. So when you said that, I was looking at it and I'm like, whoa, I just kind of left the right open because I'm like, I don't know what it is going to be. <laughs> so I just leave it open. You're leaving lots of space for things to happen over there in the future. Like, you know, that's, this is what I do for business, right? And one of those things, something else that you pointed out is I understand that I might see something or I might hear something that's a part of them and a part of their journey. And then at the same time, I'm constantly monitoring, constantly like on 
not on guard, but I'm aware that I don't, it's like, is this appropriate to say? (laughs) Or I like, I'm very mindful of that. And definitely intuitive information comes in. And so like, there is even that like, hmm. And that's a part of my training as well is you might get information, but is that something that you would need to or want to share? Is that a bit of benefit to someone at this time? And so like, I do respect the boundaries. Like, as you pointed that out, I'm looking at it going, wow, that's so interesting. And what you just said is exactly what I'm talking about, right? Is that that filter where you're stopping yourself short, saying what comes to you, especially if it's intuitive, may be very helpful for those people, but you'll stop yourself first and put it through that filter saying, wait a moment, is this appropriate to say? I'm so curious though, as to really like, oh, it's the content. Oh, you think so? Well, no, because I was, I'm looking at it because I don't remember what I wrote, right? So I'm looking at this and I'm going, well, if I look at it from her perspective, why is it though that that last paragraph goes all the way to the end? Well, there wasn't really anything personal in there. It was really just your release. Exactly. That makes so much sense. When suddenly it's like, okay, now you're not worried about getting it right or getting it wrong or anything, right? Stepping over a boundary or worrying about anything, then you go right to the end. You have no problems. It's a definite mark. It's like, okay, here's the personal part. Here's the not. I could totally see that. And I even left two blank spaces, two blank lines to separate it. You did. You left the two blank lines and then you carried on just one line and then your signature. And uh, that's actually a really great segue to move into the next part because you do have the two lines. We're saying you left two lines compared to the one line between your other paragraphs. And we know that because you used lined paper. And in part of the instructions, it says to use blank unlined paper. (laughs) So as soon as I see that, and that was the other thing that struck me, (laughs) it's all good not to worry. (laughs) It's really funny how quite often people who are very concerned about how they will appear to others often will write with lined paper. And it's very much a clue. And it tells me that when you're going to use that, your comfort zone is making sure everything is even, everything is level. You are totally in control of that space you're going to control what I see. And so that tells me that that is part of who you are. You are going to be somebody who is in control and not as impulsive when you're dealing with people that you don't necessarily know. I mean, this was very clearly prepared for me. I would love to see if you were writing in your journal to see what it would look like at that point. I want to say one other thing before we just move into the tease. And something that I I found quite interesting with yours is you have what we call pastiosity, which is a unique word in graphology. And it means something very, very specific. Now, one of the things that you have control over, I mean, you have total control over your margins. And then the other thing that you have control over is the pen that you use and the ink and how it appears on paper. When we zoom in on yours, what we start to see is there's places where there's extra ink that ends up on the paper. If you think back to when they were using like the quill pens and ink, the ink jars, Mm -hmm. and they were writing and they'd get like blobs of ink on the paper because there's too much ink on their pen. That's the same kind of effect that you're getting with, with a pen. There's like an extra deposit of ink on the paper in places, and that's called pastiosity. So 
what pastiosity tells me is that you are somebody who is really going to enjoy anything that is a delight to the senses. So it could be, you know, a smell of your favorite flower just sends you over the moon. If you have your favorite dinner, it's going to be the most wonderful thing and make you, you know, warm and wiggle right down to your toes. Like before this, I just had some veggie tots and I moved it into I was like, man, this is just so delicious. And you can get me with anything with smells too. Like, oh, mm, yes, I'll close my eyes and just be in it. Yes. It's both sides of that, right? If it's the smell that you like, it's just you're going to revel in it and take delight. And of course, if it's the smell that you don't like, it's going to be very, very visceral as well for you. Right? Mm -hmm. I cringe and be like, oh, no. We can tell that you are somebody. And I can just imagine that if you were sitting down for dinner and all of the smells and all of the tastes and you were surrounded by good people, you would just be wiggling and squiggling and, and everybody would know how much you're enjoying that moment. You totally can. And if it tastes good, start dancing. Let's look at these teas of yours. Because here at the tea party, I love to talk teas. So with your teas, what really struck me, and I went through fairly closely, and I actually did not find a single case where your tea bar crossing actually joined the next letter. Like it was not a continuous stroke. There's always a spot where you can tell that you've lifted the pen and started the next letter again. It is never continued from your T-bar crossing into the next letter. It's always a break. And that's very striking that there's always a break, that that T-bar is always unconnected. And it shows me that you are somebody who is very dependable. You are somebody who says, if you're going to do something, you are going to do it. You're not one to take shortcuts. Before knowing you, I wrote down here saying that you'd be a good accountant or scientist because you're very comfortable when there's rules and procedures. The scientist thing is very fascinating because, you know, most people tend to think of science in one way, right? And especially because I was, I'm in Eastern medicine. So they'd be like, oh, that's not science. And it's like, actually, science at its base level is all about variable and observing for the dependent variable and then changing a variable and then observing again. And so I never quite really saw myself as a scientist in that regard. And at the same time, I actually am like, well, I am because that's exactly what I, I like to do is, well, if this is what's happening, what if we change this? And now let's see what happens. And then like, well, hmm, let's continue to test hypotheses. Let's continue to create these theories and let's even evolve because everything is going to evolve and like how can so like I'll say that yeah like and I, I used to love my science classes because of that like yet I cringed when you said ew following rules and then I'm like I actually kind of do like on some on some level actually I had to like face that the laws the natural laws I'll follow those <laughs> even to the point where you're not going to rebel against something just for the sake of rebellion. There are people who like, if there's somebody that says this is the way it is there instantly, their first response is like, no, it isn't. Whereas what you're showing me in your writing is more along the lines that if somebody says, you know, this is what we're doing, you're going to be like, okay. And then you're probably going to consider it. You're going to evaluate it. And if you start looking at it and everything adds up to maybe we need to change it, you might change it, but you're going to take your time to gather, you know, your data first and get your argument in order before you just blatantly 
ignore or challenge somebody's rule. Oh yeah. And don't push me. <laughs> don't push it on me and not allow me that process. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Cause you want to be investigative, right? You want to check it out. You want your data. But that's interesting when you say don't push it on me because clearly there's a little bit of steel to you. And there's times where your T-bar, especially when you're writing, not so much in your printing, but really in your cursive, is where your T-bar is actually quite sharp going down. I see that. Can you see that? Where it's a yeah. sharp down. And that does show that steel that you were just showing there. Don't push me because you're going to find a whole new Denisia. That's what that little, that sharp pointed down T-bar indicates is that you do have a point where... If you get pushed, you're going to stand up and you've got a, a backbone. It's like, I'm, I was curious if I was actually speaking about the things that did rub me, not in the most pleasant way. And then that's when I started doing that. And the, yeah, that's what I was seeing. It's much more pronounced when you are talking about what you don't like. But that's a really good sign for you because you know how sometimes we can feel at odds, out of sorts, and we don't even know why. What is it that's got us feeling out of sorts? If you're writing about different things, you can just start writing about this topic, write about that topic, write about this. And if you start seeing those T-bars do that really sharp slant on you, where they're jutting down like that, that's going to be your clue that maybe that's where you need to look. There's a little more emotion there. You're starting to feel like you're getting pushed up against a wall and you're, you're ready to come out fighting. Yeah. But I will, I'll have to be really pushed. Otherwise, I try to respect. Absolutely. You're going to respect their boundaries as your right-hand margin tells us. It's just too cool. Isn't it? And you know, what's fascinating, and just as we're talking about this now, we're just talking about that. And that's like the two sides of the coin, right? Yes, you're going to respect their boundaries. But if push comes to shove, you can also, on the flip side, you're going to stand your ground. Yeah. Actually, my results for my DISC test were actually very somewhat there's some similarities here this is why I love things like this because I'm like it's a checkpoint for myself like if I'm questioning whether or not I'm really being who I am and who I am meant to be and so I actually use these different types of tools just to see if they are in line with each other in the way that they share their information but ultimately they should all come to similar characteristics and so DISC, there are some things that you said that actually goes along with my DISC profile. <laughs> so my only provisio with something like that would be most self-assessments are based on your own answers, right? So like when you mm -hmm. do a DISC test, it's based on you. So it's a reflection of how self-aware are you? And that can sometimes change our results if you're not a very self-aware person, which I'm not saying you are or not. I'm just saying that that's one of the big differences, right? Are those yeah. it's based on your self-awareness? A handwriting analysis of a whole fresh set of eyes. I don't know who objective, you are. Which is even more beautiful to me. See that something subjective and objective actually are in alignment. That's cool, isn't it? Yeah. It's also, you know, it's a, it's a good checkpoint for you to say, am I being self-aware? Mm -hmm. And if they're in line, then yeah, you are. Thank you for reflecting for me. <laughs> I really appreciate it. This isn't just fun to me. It's like, wow, like, okay, great. And you've given me some things to, to like think about and just to be more aware of and like, cool. Okay. That's awesome. It is. That's, I think the valuable part about handwriting analysis is it is a snapshot of who you were when you were writing it. So at that moment in time, this tells me who you are and it's very reflective and we can start to see things of, is there something to see or not? Because it will change day to day. It will change. 
even though you might think it doesn't, if I was to see it, I would be able to identify it. I've seen it myself in some of my own handwriting. And at that time, just to give you um, context, because I looked at the date again, and um, you mentioned something about almost like a clinging to the past kind of thing. Or So at that time of on that date, I was actually in the middle of the decision, like actually implementing the decision of closing my brick and mortar practice. And so I was like, literally, like even trying to get the sample to you, it was just feeling like, what am I about? What am I doing? Like, I have to like, let this go. And then how am I going to let this go? And then now who, what am I like, as far as like, you know, like titles and stuff like that, like, I know who I am, but as far as like career and stuff, so that like, that'll get that makes a lot of sense, then that is huge. You just gave me goosebumps for two different reasons. That totally explains the clinging to that left hand because it is the past. It's the familiar. It's who you are, who you were. And the big blank spot in the future because who am I moving forward? What is going to happen? That yeah. So that totally explains that. The second thing, and I wasn't actually going to mention this during the podcast. I was going to bring it up privately just to check in to say, is everything okay with you? And do you have your proper support? Because if we look at some of your ending strokes. Usually after your why, we have this extra long line that comes out. It's like an extra hump. Your ending stroke curves up and comes down and often goes actually below the line. So it's like this whole extra stroke that you've added on to the end of a word with your why. And that shows me somebody who is struggling. You're not necessarily in a good headspace. So what you just explained completely relates to what that is. Ah, uh, so cool. Instead of saving it to the end and saying, make sure, you know, I just want to make sure that you have your support in place. Yeah. Now I'm like, what did I write recently? Like, <laughs> like looking at papers because it's been, it's been a month, right? Like tomorrow the the actual office has officially closed and definitely have like moved more into the space that I'm in now. And so like, I'm very curious, like, like I feel better for sure. in the, in the transition. And when you say like support, like the Hubster definitely supportive, but also I joined like three different groups to help with three different aspects of business and personal, like, where do I want to be? Like, so I just actually recently joined them. And I think it's because it was just, it felt so shaky at the time of me writing this for sure. For sure. And you know, this is biofeedback, which you're probably familiar with, right? Is that our brain can take cues from what our body is doing. And it's one way of changing our mind about something. So if you notice yourself doing this still consciously stop right? When you're doing a why, consciously stop. You're going to close your loop and then swing it upwards. Swinging upwards is great. Don't let it swing down. Consciously keep it up. And then your brain is going to start saying, oh, is this what we're doing now? Oh, okay. okay. I can get on board with this. Now, Denise, yeah, we're going to get into the part, which I haven't really referred to at all yet in this podcast, is your love language. And this podcast is part of the season of love where we're taking a look at handwriting to identify the love language of the person who wrote it. Now, 
listeners of the Tea Party who have heard some of the other podcasts in this season, and especially if you listen to season three, episode two, you've probably already started to get an idea of what Denicia's love language is going to be. Because overall, her writing is super organized. There's no entanglement. It's on the smaller side. And it is controlled. It is predictable. Pretty much where she starts is where she ends. It's not, doesn't change dramatically. And she has very consistent spacing between her words. And all of that leads me to say that Denicia has acts of service as her love language. So how do you, how do you feel about that, Denicia, about acts of service as a love language? I know that you took the test and that's what it came back as, as well. Yeah, I would say that um, when I first got it, I was actually trying to remember what was it like, cause and that's why I took the test recently and cause it had been like three or four years and yeah, because we, we've been together for four years. And I remember saying, hey, I need you to take this test. Like <laughs> to, to him at the beginning of, of us dating. Um, so, and I'm trying to remember if acts of service was up there. And I actually don't think that it was. And now where I'm at with a lot of things, like with myself, I had the moment of like, I actually do just like if somebody can just do something like for me and please just, if you can, that'd be awesome. You know? And I realized like from that time period, from the four years ago to now, I had to come to that own acceptance for myself, like how helpful it is for me when that, if you can do that, then it's like, Oh my gosh, yes. It does feel like, okay, that's one last thing that I got to like do and worry. And it was a shift in the way that I thought because I would, might have learned that it would be lazy to have others doing things for you or say I might choose something simply, you know, how they, they question like, how do you purchase things and why, do you, why did you do it? Why did you purchase this versus like that way or whatever? And there are times like, oh yeah, like I will totally pay for the convenience because technically you're doing a part that I just did not want to do. Like, don't want to do it. And I just, and I, I had that conversation with my sister recently. I'm like, yeah, you're okay with the little DIY, but there are some things I definitely do not DIY. I don't want to, like, I just much rather, if you can, there's a desk sitting right now in the living room. And I asked if I could get some help putting it together. And it's not to say that I can't put it together. I just am like, I don't want to do it. (laughs) There is so much good about that, Denicia. And the first thing that I just want to mention about that is that is self-love. That's what it is. That's your self-love that you're showing right there is you're recognizing I need help and I can ask for help. So it's almost like when you took it maybe four years ago, the focus might've been on on your partner and how does that work? Whereas now what you're doing is you're saying, wait a moment, how do I really feel loved? How do I feel it the best? And you recognize that it's when you have help, when there's somebody else to help shoulder those burdens. What a a beautiful way to evolve. Thanks, Will. Casey listens. Now he knows. (laughs) I appreciate you. (laughs) 
And I really mean it too. And I'm like, thank you so much for taking the trash out. Like, <laughs> and I get that look and I'm like, no, I really, there's nothing behind it. Like, cause you, it's like you legit. Want. And I'm like, <laughs> no, like for real, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Again, it comes back to that self-awareness that you have. And it's so important, I think, to have a healthy long-term relationship is that you have to be self-aware. What a great example you are for all those ladies that you help in your in your playful healing space. Oh, thank you. <laughs> so while we've been talking in my handwriting PI mug, I've been drinking tea, something nice and warm. What kind of tea? It's, you know, it's unpronounceable. It's oh. some kind of tea from the Amazon rainforest that has the leaves that has caffeine in it and it starts with a g but i don't actually know how to pronounce it and i'm not even going to try and how about you i actually need um some coffee all right well thank you so much for joining me and sharing your handwriting and a piece of yourself with us today Thanks for listening. If you're wanting to hear more from Teresa and her guests, be sure to subscribe on the platform of your choice and follow her on Instagram at handwriting underscore PI. Hey, did you know that the best compliment you can give me is a referral to someone else? Please help spread the word about a most unusual tea party and my guest and share it with your network or someone who might find it interesting. If you enjoyed the show and want to know more about graphology and what Teresa is doing, be sure to head over to the website at www.handwritingpi.ca slash hashtag newsletter and subscribe to Handwriting PI's newsletter. You'll get early notice of future guests on the podcast. You'll see full samples of the handwriting and get more tips for analyzing handwriting on your own. And if you have it in your heart, leave a tip in the tip jar found at www.handwritingpi.ca. The Tea Party is professionally edited by the amazingly talented Casey Broda. If you would like to contact her or inquire about her services, look for at Casey Broda on Instagram. That's at C-A-S-E-Y-B-R-O-D-A. And finally, if you want to have an audio handwriting analysis done, like you hear here on the show, send us an email at handwritingpi at gmail.com asking for information about our AHA program. Thanks for listening.